Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Catholic voice in America. On this show, I talk about the important things that no one else is talking about, like why the world isn't working right now. The Protestant Reformation is over. Christians now have more commonalities than differences, yet evil is spreading and the enemy is winning because we're still fighting each other over self-righteous labels and high-level theology. If you disagree with me, then you're part of the problem. Listen, as Christians, we're all baptized into God's family. We all want heaven, and we all struggle with the same human brokenness. United we stand, divided we fall, it's that simple. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist who was almost murdered twice. But God spared me because he had a higher purpose for my life. My mission is to unify Christians everywhere. This show was created for you, the person who wants to be accepted and loved and reminded that God has a higher purpose for your life. Let's get started. Today, our featured guest is Jim Padilla. Padilla. Yeah, I'm not even Spanish, okay? Jim Padilla. And Jim is the king of collaboration. He's the CEO of Gain the Edge. You can find him at salesunscripted.com. That's salesunscripted.com. Now, let me just give you a quick intro about Jim, and then we're going to get into Jim's faith journey and a huge calling on Jim's life that God has placed, and Jim is standing in and really walking through. So as founder of Gain the Edge, Jim is he's known in the personal development and business coaching world as the go-to guy for all things sales, right? So you just need to know that Jim is a sales dude and as a powerful and he's a powerful collaborator, right? So with their army of heart-centered sales rock stars, I love that Jim, heart-centered sales rock stars. You normally don't put heart-centered and sales in the same sentence, right? <laughs> So Jim and his wife, Cindy, uh, partner with top industry leaders to help exponentially increase their online launch and their back of the room revenue. So live events, Jim's that guy that you hire to convert sales at the back tables, right? And I've, I watched him firsthand. I met Jim in Austin, Texas, when I was out there for the uh, podcasting conference, Icons of Influence, and Jim was running the room, right? He was running the sales tables in the back, and I just saw... He has a powerful presence. He's got a process. He's got a great team and he knows what he's doing. So a little backstory, Jim has created a strategic sales system and a sales force to be reckoned with. And what I mean by that is his team averages over 25,000 sales conversions per year in a variety of different formats. Now, Gain the Edge, his company is the secret weapon of choice for many industry experts anchoring over, ready? $100 million in sales for the likes of Josh Turner, Justin Livingston, Lisa Savage, uh, Sasevich, and Bill Barron, right? So, Jim, welcome to the show. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you, sir? Hey, thanks for having me here, Joseph. Um, that was pretty, pretty good intro. I uh, appreciate that. <laughs> Almost like, uh, like I could have wrote that. You know, um, I made it all up right on the spot, dude. Like, it was just very spontaneous, not... Got it. All right. So share something personal about you, Jim, that very few people in your business life actually know. You know, uh, I actually, I am, I'm a very, I'm known for having, I have a reputation in our industry for having a very big heart and uh, being a caring person. And um, in my opinion, uh, most of my life wasn't like that. I spent so much of my time taking care of me and only looking out for me. 
in getting what I needed at the expense of other people. And it just mm. didn't serve me long-term. And for somebody who's so connected in my space now, I literally have no blood family ties that I'm connected to. You know, I just met, I, uh, I had a brother who died uh, just this past week was his birth, would have been his birthday. Uh, he died 25 years ago. Um, I'm fully disconnected from my mother and father. Um, I have, I found out uh, when I was 40 that I have three other brothers and sisters that I just met that I got to meet like four years ago. Um, so my, for somebody who is completely disconnected from his own blood family, um, it's insane that I have, that I'm known for this massive relationship builder in business space. <laughs> so what's that like for you, brother? If you're being real and transparent, what's that like? That cannot be easy for you. It's not, it's, it's, it's some, one of those things that I don't, I try not to spend a lot of time thinking about because I don't have any answers. And um, I just, this past weekend, uh, I went to my brother's funeral plot and, uh, and I, and I, I was just feeling this sense of longing and loneliness because he died when he was 19 and mm. I moved out of our house when I, I moved out of home when I was a teenager and there was nothing but turmoil in our house because my mom had me at 16. She had no idea how to raise a kid, no idea what she's doing. And I grew up abused and we had nothing but tension and turmoil and quite honestly, hatred in our home. And my younger brother, who's six years younger than me, we had nothing in common because who's, you know, when you're 10 and he's four, 16, he's 10, there's no, nothing in common. So all he knew was when I was home, everything sucked. So he hated me. Mm. And we didn't have any kind of relationship until he started driving at 16 because then that relationship could be outside of my mother. And we start, we spent a few years just starting to get to know each other. And then he died when he was 19. And I, I felt robbed of a relationship you know, of an opportunity to have that, that brother sibling relationship. And um, for some reason I was just really feeling it this last week. And I was like, you know, I just, I, I wanted to honor him and, and love him and his memory and who he is and who he could have been today. Um, it's, an, it's a challenge at times. Cause there's, you know, I, again, I don't know the answer besides, you know, taking it to God and prayer, but you know, there's nothing I can do to fix that. So first off, thank you for being transparent, right? Broken Catholic Nation. I mean, Jim just shared his heart with you, right? Like that's not easy to talk about, right? He's got no blood relations right now. Like what the F, man? That sucks. That just straight up sucks, right? Now, Jim, I got to ask, man, and I'm going off, off course here, but this is powerful. Like so many times as humans, right, we... Uh, somehow associate our human relationships, whether good or bad, and we look through them, we use them as the lens, like sunglasses, right? That glasses that we look through, and that's how we see God and our relationship with God. So for example, if we had a broken uh, human relationship with our human father, we normally look at God the same way, God the father, right? So if our human father abandoned us as a child, we normally struggle to trust God that he's not going to abandon us. Right. So how do you, what have you done with that? Right. Because like you got all this human broken relationship in your family. How do you, how does that not get in the way of your relationship with God? It does. It, you know, um, it's interesting because I have a, a, a pretty strong leadership role in our community, in our church and in our family um, in terms of spiritual leadership and, man, I struggle with it daily. Um, mm. I, I know intellectually, 
I've read the Bible through and through. I read it every day um, and I understand it intellectually, but sometimes I really struggle getting it into my heart. I know, I know what it should look like, but sometimes I don't know how to feel it and, you know, how to express it. I, I, there have been times when I know I've experienced God and I know God's hand was in what happened, but there's a lot of times where I didn't know. I don't know if I felt it. Mm, I, and so I, get that. And I don't trust it. I don't trust it sometimes because if I do, if I do feel it, then I'm like, did I make that feeling happen or was mm. that God, you know? Man, BC Nation, I know you're wrestling with the same things that Jim is sharing right now, right? We all wrestle with it. Welcome to humanity. We constantly doubt trusting in God. We just do. It's our fallen nature, right? We want to fall away from God like 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Instead of looking up, we're looking down, we're looking horizontal. And we're seeing all the noise and distractions and cares of the world. And we're not trusting that God is with us. I literally just went through this breakdown a few weeks ago. And I was just sharing with Jim right before we jumped on here of my breakdown with my, one of my businesses and how I took my eyes off of God. And I, I looked at the wind and the waves and the storm and my business crashing around me. And all of a sudden, my faith was shattered. And I had doubt and fear. And God reminded me, get your eyes back on me, my son. I didn't go anywhere. I'm right here. I'm in the storm with you, right? So here's why I invited Jim on the show, because I speak often about building faith into your business. And I think it's critical. It's crucial that you're not living this duality in your life that most of us live as believers, right? We go to church on Sunday. We nod our heads as the pastor's talking all this truth. We read the Bible. We nod our heads. Yes, I agree. I believe that. Amen. Amen. I believe, right? And then we go to work on Monday and we get spiritual amnesia, I call it. And we forget everything. And now it's all sales and crush it and kill and destroy and climb to the corporate ladder and they hurt me. So I'm going to hurt them twice as hard. And we just throw out our faith and we don't trust in God and we leave God at the door of our business. And this makes us show up inauthentically in our business and everyone sees it, but us. And they see something's off, something's missing, something's just off about you. So I brought Jim on because Jim is building his faith into his business. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't wrestle with faith and concerns and doubts. We all do as humans. But he has a ministry built around his business where he gets to bring God into his business. So we're going to talk about that today. But before we do, Jim, you mentioned earlier that you've experienced God at multiple times in your life where it was um, not just in your head intellectually, but you literally experienced him in your heart. And that's where Jesus resides, right? In the heart. Right. That's where all conversion happens. It's in the heart, not the head. So I'd like you to take us there for a second. How did you first experience God those one, two, or three times? Like, what are your top three tips or strategies? And I want you to get specific about this for getting to that place of never having experienced God to finally experiencing God and that relationship with him. Are you clear on the question? Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I, I wish you could give an answer to this in a bottle and sell it for millions, you know? Um, I definitely believe it's an individual process for everybody. Um, the, the first time that I really experienced God was, um, was actually on uh, 9-11. Um, you know, that we went to church for the first time 
uh, as a family, my wife and I and the kids that Sunday. And, um, you know, we were just looking for something different for, uh, for our kids, a different way to start raising them. We knew we needed more than what we could give them on our own. And, um, it, you know, the, the pastor said, you know, do you know for certain what's going to happen to you when you die? And I thought, man, I, I don't know. I didn't, I couldn't answer that. And it, it kept me thinking. And then that Tuesday morning, planes flew into the towers. Mm. And, I'm, and, I, and it's in addition to a, anger and rage that I felt in that very moment, um, I felt, wow, there's three, you know, 3,000 people who do, or do they know where they're going? And right now it's too late for them to make any decision. And wow. so we went back to church that next Sunday, raised our hand and uh, life, life changing moment. Now, I don't know what I felt necessarily, but I knew there was a reality in front of me that I had to face. So that was, that was a big moment for me. Um, and then from there, I, I do believe, you know, at the time I thought I was a believer, but what I realized was uh, for about the next 10 years, I was kind of faking it, just doing the stuff that you're supposed to do, check the box, you know, be a part of service and take down for church and, you know, be an usher and a greeter and all that stuff. But, um, but I was just doing the work. Um, and, but I was still out in business. I got a little bit squirrely and um, I was in mortgage at the time and I was, I was not being right with money and uh, ended up, you know, coming back to bite us. And my wife and I ended up getting separated because it cost us. It got, we ended up having to file bankruptcy. We foreclosed on two homes and she was like, man, I, I, I can't even trust you. I don't, and I can't count on you. And this happened to be when I was 40 and, uh, and I went and I got an apartment and I, met God to my, my personal opinion for the first time. And uh, I was face down broken before God every day for the next 18 months. I had no idea if our marriage was going to get back together. I hoped it would, but I quite honestly thought I, I, I didn't think it would actually happen. And, but I was just, I was literally broken before God every single day. I got this apartment. I got no decorations. I got no furniture. I had a picnic table for a kitchen table. I didn't want to spend any money making this place better. I wanted white walls. I wanted to know why I was in this apartment every single day. And um, so I went, I came every day. I came in that apartment. I just I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I cried and I prayed and I cried. And then 18 months later, you know, my, my wife uh, and I, we moved, we moved back in together, said, if we're going to be broken apart, we might as well be broken together and try to figure it out. And um, she started seeing a change in me and a shift. She started seeing something different about me and came to a place where she was able, I was always the lifelong entrepreneur. She was the corporate steady rock. And, uh, and she decided she was going to quit her job and jump into the boat with me. And what that told me at that moment was, well, I've come full circle that she went from being, I went from being the person she could never depend on to being the only person she's depending on besides God. And that is 100% a transformation of God. And there's no ironic uh, coincidence in my opinion that it happened on my 40th birthday. You know, the first 40 years I did my way and I decided at this point, I'm going to give the next 40 to him. Wow. Powerful story. BC nation. I know you're relating right now. I'm relating. Literally, that's like my walk, dude. Like <laughs> minus like, right, some details. But yeah, first 40 years of your life was all about you. And now the next 40, you're giving to God, surrendered. I love that, man. That's powerful. For sure. And if I, I want to add one more point on there because it, uh, it, it, it was part of the solidification of this, this part of the process. 
when my wife and I split up, <clears throat> my daughters, we had three daughters who were in high school and two, one was in college at the time. The two oldest ones literally just turned on me. They decided I screwed over and betrayed the family. They thought, how could you do this to mom? They took sides and I was outcast. My youngest one stayed with me because he was daddy's girl. She was very disappointed, but she still loved me. And, but my middle daughter, she didn't talk to me for three years. My oldest daughter didn't talk to me for six years at all. Zero. She hated me, but no communication. What was that like for you, Jim? It was horrible. It was, it was, you know, it, it was just, it sucked. There's nothing you can do. You know, it, she's old enough to make her own decisions. So I had to just, you know, hope and pray and just be there. And there were times where she just seethed anger at me. And other times she just ignored me. And I don't know which ones hurt worse, but it all sucked. And, um, but then, you know, I remember I got still on my bulletin board over there. I got it about, uh, it's been like four years now. Um, but she wrote me a handwritten letter and a card that was like, I, I, I don't know what happened. It was on Father's Day four years ago. And she's like, I just, I, I don't know. I think I've just been hanging on to this anger because it's just been serving me. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do. But, you know, God's telling me I just need to love you. And, you know, and, and I don't know what it looks like or what we have to do but um, we'll get through this and uh, we'll, we'll make it work. However it shapes up, just be patient with me. And I've still got that letter on my bulletin board uh, right across my office here. I see it every day because again, just total sign that, that God was working in this. And that, that, and again, it came from because they saw something different in me worthy of, okay, I, I see who you are. I see what you've become. And my middle daughter, who again, she didn't talk to me for three years. And then we had a very, very formal civil relationship going, which was okay, but not good enough for me being, I, I, you know, I love my daughters immensely. I don't want to be civil with them. And uh, she had, she, they got engaged. Um, the pastor at our church was going to marry them. And he ended up moving away about four months before their wedding and going to, he got another church assignment. And so we went out to dinner with them and I was like, well, do you want me to introduce you to another, you know, I knew a lot of pastors and I'm involved in stuff now. And, um, and they said, well, actually, no, she said, we, we want you to marry us. And I started, I was dumb. I was stunned. I had no idea that that was even close to coming. So I was just crying. I'm like, why on earth would you want me to marry you? And she's like, because you're my father and you are the man that I want my husband to become. And I was like, I, man, I was floored. I was, because that, that wasn't what I'd been experiencing for the previous years. You know, it was just nothing but rocky, rough, tumultuous. You know, I was just trying to prove myself as a father every day because I knew I screwed up. Nothing I could do. I just lay myself at their mercy and hope that God can handle it and fix it and solve it, you know? And it would, took a while, man. It, it, this stuff did not come overnight. I really, this would have been great if it was, okay, cool, I repented and now everybody's happy, man. It was a long time of struggle and frustration and self-loathing. And you know, Why do you think it took so long, Jim? Because God needed me to become what he needed me to be. You know, it was on his time cycle, Tim's timeline. Clearly, I was not yet ready, you know, part of it because I was feeling all the pity, you know. He's like, this ain't about you, man. It's about what, you know, think about what's happening in me that became a light for her. That's, that's what was going on here. Because until this point, you know, they're still kids. They're in their 20s now and they're adults and married and all that stuff. But they were, you know, at that point, their faith was still our faith, not theirs. And this, I think this is part of the journey of them gaining their own faith. 
making their own decisions. BC Nation, what's showing up for me in Jim's story here is the very crucial thing that we all wrestle with is forgiveness or holding on to unforgiveness and how it can literally destroy lives, destroy relationships. And God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven us, wants to forgive us, wants to pour down His love on us. And so many times we block His forgiveness because we're blocking other people's forgiveness or we're holding on to unforgiveness and we're not giving, we're not forgiving them. So how can we feel forgiven if, if you're not forgiving those around you, right? So you really want to get what the breakthrough that happened here is Jim's daughters were, and his wife were able to forgive Jim, let go of the hurt. And if you're wrestling with that right now and you're holding on to hurt from someone who hurt you, betrayed you, wounded you, broke your trust, you got to forgive them because you're building the prison around yourself. Right. And God's trying to love you through it and he can't, you're blocking it. And that's what unforgiveness does. It blocks God's love and his mercy that he wants to rain down in your life and restore your relationships like he's done for Jim. Such a beautiful story. Jim, what do you want to say? To recognize in there and something that I had to learn and I still struggle with this because the childhood that I had led me in a very, very dangerous place. And I was in foster care at 13 on the streets at 16 in jail at 19. And I've been, I ruined a lot of lives the first part of my life. I was all in it for me, um, you know, and, and in ways that we don't even need to go down the road. In, but I took advantage of a lot of people uh, up to and including how I handled my marriage. And my wife has forgiven me. She's the most forgiving person on the planet. My kids have forgiven me. My life has moved on. Some days I wonder when I'm going to forgive myself because I still see, you know, I, I, that's probably the greatest struggle I have as a Christian is how can God, you know, maybe he's loving through me, but he doesn't really love me. You know, why do, what have I done to deserve? I, you know, I'm, I got to spend the rest of my life atoning for the nonsense and the crap that I've done. So Jim, let me ask you a question. Do you want to forgive yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, I, sometimes I just have this like worthiness challenge. Like what, you know, what have I done to deserve that? BC Nation, are you wrestling with the same thing Jim just shared from his heart, which is so real, so vulnerable, so human, and we're all connected in it? I've wrestled with this. So many have wrestled with this. Jim, during my daily holy hour, this is what God showed me and all those that are members of it, um, is that we we all had a a major breakthrough together in this unworthiness thing. Um, And what God simply said is... uh, he loves us because he is love. It has nothing to do with us whatsoever, right? He loves us because he is love and he cannot do anything other than love, right? Because that's who he is. So it has nothing to do with your worthiness, your lack of forgiving yourself or anything. The reality is you're loved by him and forgiven because he is love. Period. It has nothing to do with you. And so many times we want to look at it through our eyes as a human. And we try to make God into this like human limited type of being. But if we do that and we say, well, God's limited in love and I screwed up so much, then he's no longer God. Right? Because God is all powerful, right? All loving, all forgiving. So anyway, I just want to share that because that's such a powerful message 
that if you don't feel loved, you don't feel forgiven, it has nothing to do with, with you and your self-worth or anything. God forgives you and loves you because he is love and love can only love. That's what it does, right? So I just share that real quickly. Jim, yeah. wrap us uh, up because time is moving along. Your story is so powerful, right? So I'm glad we went here with it and thanks for sharing that. Um, but I want you to take us real quick into the prison ministry. And now that we're caught up to where you're at, the next 40 years are for God. The first 40 years were for you. And God has now transformed you to start living completely for him and for others. What is he doing? What did he put on your heart? Give it like two minutes. Um, the prison ministry, why is this important? Why is God telling you to do this? Well, I've been, I'm one of those guys who are action takers and, um, and I've overcome so much that the gift that's given me is I don't tolerate uh, a lack of action and overcoming from other people. So I, I don't let other people make excuses for themselves because I have none. And so I'm always challenging. I have real heart for men to step up and do what's necessary to make change in the world because men meet in coffee shops and we meet in living rooms, but we don't go out in the world and actually do anything. Mm. And, um, and so I started feeling this tug, like God said, okay, that's great. I appreciate you inspiring, but what are you doing? Mm. And, you know, and I'm reading in Matthew, you know, naked, you can't you clothe me, right? When my, when, when my, my people were naked, you clothed me. Uh, when I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came unto me. And, you know, uh, you guys read it for yourselves, you know, Matthew uh, 25, 30, uh, 36, but it's God blessing us because we were blessing him. When we bless the least of these, we are blessing him. And I, the only reason I'm not in prison is because I zigged when I could have zagged. I, I, I didn't, wasn't any different than people who are behind bars. I just didn't get caught at that right time. So I don't have any judgment for them. And, and that's not a place where most people can go. Anybody can set up chairs on Sunday. I got a specific, a special ability to be able to go in and deal behind the walls. So I started going in and serving and I found some amazing things um, behind the walls. I found men, human beings with hearts and with lives and with real stories and with real challenges and struggles. And they need love and they need encouragement and guidance to be able to, to, to move forward. There, many of these men are doing time, but some of them are choosing to rehab. And those guys want something different. They realize the error of their ways. They're, they're, they came in as teenagers addicted, no fathers, no educations that they, you know, not excuses, zero. And none of them are making any, but that was the reality. And so they're getting the kind of support inside the walls with, you know, we're going in every week doing Bible ministries with them. Um, they've got AA and CR and, and, and ways to re deal with addiction and recovery. They're getting financial planning. They're getting uh, family counseling. And then they get out of prison and they're left on their own. And, and people wonder why they, it's a 76.6% attrition in this country, because once they get out, they don't have all that extra programming that they've been living with for the last 25 years, and they don't know how to support themselves. And so God has put it on my heart uh, to, as a, as a sales expert, and someone who's been running sales organizations for decades, we're working on putting together a, uh, a call center for ex-cons. And so that they can have a job, a trained, very powerful skill, learning how to sell and make money and provide service for people. Um, and then they can have income and a purpose. And then part of the process is we're going to surround them with programming. So if you work 40 hours a week, you only work 32 and the other eight hours a week, you're in Bible study, you're in financial planning, you're in 
uh, drug counseling and addictions. You're dealing with counseling with family and rehab. And we're going to put them in ministry and service and outreach, right? And that's going to be part of their benefits package. But those are the things that are going to help continue to make them whole and be able to feel of service and of value. And like they're actually on that rehab plan that they, they started working on. And then my goal is to turn the, just to flip the recidivism rate so that 76.6% of them stay out. And only the ones that don't pay, don't, don't, you know, there's going to be guys who slip up, but it doesn't have to be all of them. BC Nation, this is what building faith into your business looks like in the real world. It's taking action. Jim, I love how powerfully you said that as men, we have all these darn Bible studies and support groups and we sit in coffee shops. And I, I know I started one at my church and we have 200 businessmen meet every, uh, every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., but it got to the point where it was just becoming a Bible study and there's already enough Bible studies. And when I called them to mobilize, let's get out there and into the, the darkness and fight the evil that's spreading in the world. It all of a sudden went crickets. And I eventually had to just remove myself because it was no longer the vision, right. Um, that I was going for. And what a powerful thing that God has put on your heart and it's compelling it's compelling like to you have clearly identified the problem, right, of the attrition of uh, inmates once they, they're free and they've served their time, they paid their, their consequences, and now they come out ready to start over, but the system is literally set up against them for them to start over. There's no supports. There's no foundation for them. And that God has put that on you and has given you the skill set of a, an entire career that you've had to bless them with this, this uh, foundational system. I love it, dude. It's fantastic. Let me ask you this. Um, and I normally don't do this on the show, but this is such a compelling uh, thing. If my listener wants to support you, because I know this isn't free, this isn't inexpensive for you to set this up, right? A call center for uh, ex-cons. Where can they go to support this cause specifically? You know, that's a a fantastic question. And we actually haven't set anything up. Part of of the pride, I think maybe pride is the wrong word, but uh, that I've had in this is that the beauty of this, the design of this is that we, it's a self-funded organization because it's a sales company. So we aren't out looking for grants. Got Happy it. to take them. <laughs> so BC Nation, don't send Jim money. He doesn't want your money. God's got this. God's going to provide. Send or, your prayers, though, for darn sure, man. Yeah, send your prayers. And you can find Jim at salesunscripted.com. That's salesunscripted.com. Let me wrap this up in a nutshell, right? So Jim shared his story. He started way back in the beginning, and he's pretty much saying to us, BC Nation, that you don't get to choose where you come from, but you get to choose where you're going, right? Yeah. And the first Amen. 40 days of, uh, sorry, first 40 years of his life, by the way, 40 is the biblical number for testing, right? So the first 40 years of your life, Jim, was God's test for you to empower you, to equip you, to prepare you for the very plan and calling he was going to place on your life. So Jim has no family ties. There's something missing there, but I believe, Jim, God is going to heal that. He's going to rectify that. Something's going to come of that, brother. I'm telling you. And he's also equipped you in that area to identify and collaborate and associate with the people who also have no family ties and feel like that's missing in their life and they don't know how to go through it and and show up for others 
with that, that personal breakdown, and you're going to teach him how. Jim was able to experience God for the first time at 9-11 when he got to see what just happened, and he asked himself the question, do you know, do I know for certain where I'm going after I die? Do I know with certainty, complete certainty? And that's such a game changer question. Ask yourself that, BC Nation. And Jim made mistakes, right? He, he messed up in his marriage. He owns that as a man. He takes responsibility. He got separated. And then he went to clean it up. And what that looked like was 18 months of face down and being broken before God every day. He prayed, he cried, he prayed, he cried. For 18 months, he prayed, he cried. And maybe you're going through that storm right now in your life. Continue. All of us have a different term, a different um, uh, prison sentence, right, for the, the poor choices of our lives. I know for me, Jim, it was also about 40 years, right? And now the next 40, I'm, I'm, I'm in a very similar position where I'm now serving God. First 40, we're all self-centered Joseph. And I had a lot of human wreckage behind me, dude. I heard a lot of people, right? So I really get you. Um, but slowly God transformed Jim over the, you know, those 18 months and slowly God will transform you from the inside if you submit and surrender to him. And that's the thing. You got to submit and surrender. Lord, teach me how to think like you. Teach me how to submit my will, my pride, my ego, this, I didn't get to choose my past, my brokenness, my wounds, right? I was born into a family where I was hurt. I was abused. I was wounded. I didn't get to choose that. Show me what it looks like to be healthy, to be, to, to be healed, right? Show me that and teach me, and, and God will do that. So, Jim, really powerful. I just wanted to recap that for us. Um, anything you wanted to add to that? You know, I'm just going to reiterate one point that we, we both touched on. Um, and I believe this firmly. And so for those of you listening, and this is no discount to the women, women, this you, it applies, you know, apply it to yourself as well. But I believe that one of the biggest failures of this country right now, one of the biggest reasons our nation is struggling the way it is, is because Christian men do not stand up and fight. Christian men in American culture and throughout the world are seen as weak and soft. And I don't know about you, but I don't ever see meek as weak. And Jesus was meek because he was humble, but there's nothing about Jesus that was weak. And it's time to get up off the couches, time to get up out of the coffee shops and stand up and fight. Places like Planned Parenthood wouldn't be popping up on every street corner if men actually fought for value and fought for their daughters and fought to make a difference. We got to get up and do what's necessary. Take the bullets, you know, take, take the criticism, take the condemnation and know that you're doing what you're supposed to do as a man of God. Powerful message, BC Nation. Powerful message. Jim, I would only add to that, BC Nation, if you are a man and you are a dad, be a good one. Mm. Amen. Be a good one because that's the source of all of it. That's why Jim was grew up in a broken family. I grew up in a broken family, right? It's generational sins of the father. This is biblical, right? And it could have been our great, great, great granddad five, six generations ago, freaking made some poor ass choices, right? And because of it, I grew up in a broken, messed up home and Jim as well. And maybe you, right? We, we can't change that, but you can put a stop to it in your generation. You can show up and stand up and be the man that God calls you to be and be a good father, be a good dad, love on your children. Don't abandon them just because your life got hard. 
serve them, right? Stop it in this generation. So Jim, thanks for that. Uh, Jim, this is my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round for all us broken Catholics out there. You see what I did there with the confession round? All right. So I'm going to ask you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready, sir? Got it. All right, Jim, what's your favorite sound? The drive hitting a perfect shot down the fairway. Ah, that's a good one. What's your least favorite sound? Babies crying behind me on an airplane. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> what are you most afraid of? Of not, uh, not being the man that God needs me to be. Got that. What did you spend way too much time doing in your 20s? Or in your case, your 40s. <laughs> all the, all the <laughs> one, to, one to 40. Uh, worrying about me living for myself. Got that. That's a big one. What secret fear do you have about people? Uh, that they'll never figure it out. Got that. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Uh, that he loves you as you are. Yeah, for sure, dude. What do you wish you were better at? Um, forgiveness. Actually, no, I would say judgment. Got that. Better, yeah. What dream are you scared to pursue? Ooh, uh, finding out what, what my limits are. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. What is a new habit you want to form? Oh, uh, wow. Uh, new habit I want to form. Um, music. I want to be a music. I, I bought a guitar and I never play it. Got it. What's a bad habit you want to break? Judging people. Got it. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Heartfelt, authentic, and a giver. Pick three words to describe who you were before you experienced God and gave your life over to him. Angry, selfish, confused. And last question, Jim, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family, your wife, your daughters right in the eye and give them only one piece of advice. What would you say to them? You got to build it around God. Got that. Keep God at the center. Got it. And any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship with God, my friend? The best time to do it would have been 20 years ago. The next best time to do it is today, man. Boom. Love it. What's the best way for a BC Nation to get in touch with you, Jim? Uh, as you mentioned, salesunscripted.com, my podcast and a sales training site, fantastic info. Uh, but uh, if you go to Facebook, we have a Facebook group called CU at seven spelled out. And you got the link in the notes there, I'm sure. And we'll get that to you. Uh, but our, our whole journey here is to help we unveil and peel back our secrets uh, as we were on our journey to our first million and our next. And that's why it's called CU at seven. If you're a serious entrepreneur and you want to figure out how to get to seven figures, we're here to help you. I like that. And how do, uh, does BC Nation find more about your, your prison ministry? Do you have a special site or something you put up? Uh, you know, I really haven't. That's something, I mean, just the questions you've asked on the show told me I got to start putting that together because um, there's You're like, welcome. Clearly, clearly I'm not alone and I can get some more support from people. Heck yeah, bro. Like seriously, that taps a, a thing in me and literally on the show I'm considering, um, you know what, why don't I just Google or actually probably after, how do I get into prison ministry? Because I have a powerful message uh, for men 
Um, that's the calling God's put on me is bring my sons back to me. That's mm -hmm. what he gave me. And uh, men resonate with my leadership. Like I can go in and, and smack them right upside the head and they resonate yep. with that. They want to be challenged. So I have that fire in me. I don't yes. know where to put it because most people, when I do that, you know, lots of people act very fragile, but I could see guys in, in prison, man, really like connecting with that. Hey, I'll tell you a place to start. Go to the juvenile authorities. A, it's easier to get in. There's not as much security clearance as there is in state prisons, et cetera. Um, those kids need you. The difference between the inmates behind the walls in prison is they, they know what's in, what they're in for. Yeah. You, got, you go to juvenile hall, you got kids that are, you know, it's a rooster fight. Every guy in there wants to be the biggest cock in the house, you know, and they're, they're fighting for turf and territory. They're not even trying to think about how to rehab. They're trying to prove themselves. They, they need that message so that they don't end up going to prison. Got it. Jim, thanks for being on the show. And I wish you uh, God's peace, God's love, and God's forgiveness yes. in your life, my friend. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.